What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. I've heard it said before that the more brilliant people you get into a room, the more confusing things become and that's that's the case sometimes in forensic pathology as well um, because everybody you know forensic pathologists are no different than any of the rest of us uh, in that they all have their own opinions which is good but sometimes things can be kind of murky or confusing and in our case here that we're going to talk about, uh, there is a bit of confusion about a ruling relative to a death. But one thing is for certain. Alexandra Alex Pennig, who's 32 years old, 
sustained a gunshot wound to her head. And we do know that she didn't survive it. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. Dave, you know, sometimes you and I, uh, I know this, I'm, uh, uh, you're, you're the guru. You're the guru when it comes to all things audio and <laughs> production and all these sorts of things. And I got to tell you, I'm glad that there's not two of us that are brilliant because you can help me walk through these with problems with little or no, no concern. I know that, um, that, uh, the content that we put out is going to sound good most of the time, I think. Um, and it's because you're, you're the, you're the bright one when it comes to all of that, you can help walk through technical problems, but sometimes uh, such as in this case today, you, it's, it's hard to make heads or tails of things and, I think that sometimes we just throw our hands up and say, well, I, I can't call it anything other than what it is, and that is undetermined, and that's what we're left with here. I don't understand how that's possible. What does it really mean when manner of death is undetermined? Now, just so you know, today we're dealing with murder or suicide, the death of Alexandra Pinnock. She preferred to go by Alex. 32 years old. She has a gunshot to the head. Boyfriend claims she uh, grabbed his gun, ran in the bathroom, and shot herself. Police listened to his side of the story, and it didn't match the facts as they could see them in the earliest moments of the investigation. And so it was left to the medical examiner to tell him what happened. And the medical examiner, and by the way, when you have a prosecution, you know, the defense has their own person to come in and say whatever the defense needs to say. And in this case, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. if, if the defense has enough money for it, right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta be clear about that. Should yeah. have been very clear. And in this particular <laughs> case, um, both of them, uh, the prosecution, the actual medical examiner and the one hired by the defense had the same thing. They, the manner of death is undetermined. What does manner of death mean, Joseph Scott Morgan? Yeah, well, there's only five uh, to select from. Uh, and when it comes to violent deaths uh, regarding uh, firearms, which is what we're going to discuss, um, most of the time it's going to fit into one of, one of those two categories. Uh, it's either going to be homicide or suicide. Accidental is an outlier. You... Uh, as a matter of fact, um, most of the time it has been my, um, in, in practice, it, it was, if someone told me that it was an accidental shooting, I'll say, you, you have to clearly explain this to me, how this was an accident before I'm going to bite on that. Because those are a rarity when you compare it to the number of suicides we have in this country because they outpace homicides. I did not know firearms that. Firearms death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, Firearm death, suicide outpaces homicide? Oh, yeah. Wow. By, by, by quite quite a significant margin. Did not know um, that. Yeah, well, a lot of people, you know, possess firearms, and they see it as a quick and hmm. – and, uh, 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 powerful solution to whatever is facing them in their lives. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you have that. If you throw up accident, 
then um, it leaves me in a position where you're going to have to explain that to me or the data is going to have to play itself out where the dynamic of that event can be easily explained and we can prove it scientifically. But, you know, there's another choice here, and that is undetermined. Um, and I've always, I've always had this kind of vision in my mind um, where when it's written undetermined, I always have this like little cartoon character that pops up in my brain where you got, you got them and they're looking at you and they're just kind of shrugging their shoulders with their hands upturned, looking at you like, I, I don't have an answer to this. I, I don't know. And, and in this particular case, that's, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a case involving a gunshot wound to the head. We can definitively say that, but the classification of it has been left undetermined. I do know this. I do know that the two people that are involved in this case, uh, the victim and the perpetrator are both healthcare providers. They're both nurses. Um, and I think that probably from the prosecution standpoint, the circumstantial evidence just didn't, it didn't hold water in this particular case. Cause there's certain things that you, uh, as an observer, based upon what you know about people that practice medicine or work in allied health, you expect them to behave under stressful search situations in a very specific manner. And Dave, that didn't happen in this case. You know, when we get into this actual story, I want you to know the background because the background follows through. We have a number of people involved in this relationship. Uh, Alexandra, remember, Alexandra Penning. Alex Penning is 32 and she is the victim. She was dating Matthew Ecker. Matthew Ecker is 45, married with four children. Alex was also dating another man, and his name was Shane Anderson. On the night in question, Alexandra had had an argument with Shane earlier in the day about their relationship. Matthew Ecker comes to the apartment, and this is all up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, Matthew Ecker lives hours away. But he goes to be at the side of Alex while she's frustrated in the relationship with Shane. And Matthew and Alex go out for drinks that evening. When they come into this one place, uh, there is Shane Anderson with another woman. That causes Alex to be very upset. Matthew, defending his girlfriend. I, see, this is where it gets confusing, okay? But oh, you're not kidding. Bottom line, Matthew is with Alex. Shane Anderson is with another woman. And Matthew actually confronts Shane. And Shane hits him. Probably says, you're married. Why are you talking to me? Get out, you know, and hits him. Well, Shane Anderson and the other woman leave. Matthew Ecker and Alex Penning stay at the bar for another 45 minutes having a couple of drinks. Alex and Matthew go back to Alex's apartment. And this is the story that Matthew Ecker tells everybody. They arrive at her apartment. She grabs a gun out of his backpack and runs to the bathroom and shoots herself in the head. He bashes through the door and calls 911, tries to stop the bleeding 
by holding his thumb to the bullet hole, I guess. Uh, police arrive a few minutes later. And she's already cold, stiff. And I want to ask you about this, Joe, because here's yeah. my question. Yeah. Based on Matthew Ecker's story, how soon does a body get cold and stiff? Based on his timeline, he calls police uh, 911 four minutes after she shoots herself. Four minutes. Police arrive five minutes later. So based on his timetable, she gets shot at 2.45, 2.46 in the morning. At 3.05, police are there, and medics arrive, and they declare her dead in the space of 19 minutes, I think, from shooting to declaring her dead, and she's cold and stiff. Yeah. As it said, uh, the old saying, that dog don't hunt. Okay. And... uh you know, just so you know, Joe, we, I didn't know that. I that's why I'm asking because, and I think most of no. us don't know how quickly does a body that it, is dead. It, yeah, it, it it takes it takes a it, well, a lot of it is environmentally dependent, but in a course of let's 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 be generous here. Let's say that it was 20 minutes. Okay. You still wouldn't have these presentations that you're talking about physically uh, with with a deceased individual where they're. Uh, cool to the touch. And that's the best way I can describe it because, you know, we do things like uh, body temperatures at scenes and depending upon the jurisdiction, there's multiple ways that we can get in sometime about how we take body temperatures on the dead. Um, but you don't expect in a 20 minute, a 20 minute time frame for a body to be cold to the touch. And look, if he's talking about stiffening or rigidity, um, and generally that's how we refer to it, and again, rigidity of the body, that means how how uh, that goes to rigor mortis. It takes even longer for rigor mortis to set in. So any investigator that knows what they're doing, they're out on the scene, they're making that initial assessment, and they're trying to marry this up with what he is saying scientifically. That's why I said this dog don't hunt. Because you're not going to have these manifestations that are occurring. Now, things are happening uh, at a cellular level as soon as we die. We begin to change, all right? And it's because cellular respiration has ceased. Um, you'll begin production of lactic acid, which is actually what creates rigor mortis. If the, I tell my students at Jacksonville State, um, I teach medical legal death investigation, it's this class that I've taught for years. Um, if, if you ever, <laughs> not that anybody would, but if you ever want to understand what rigor mortis would feel like, don't work out for a while, go to the gym and get a vigorous workout in the next morning when you wake up, um, and you're stiff, that's lactic acid that has built up in your body. That's about as close as you'll ever feel to what Riger is. Um, and that takes some time though. And you know, that's happening at, at a, a cellular level, but it's not happening this quick. There's no way. And that's, that's how we, that's in investigations. That's how we test, at least on my side of the house, that's how we test an alibi. Okay, if somebody is trying to alibi themselves and say, well, this is what happened, uh, this is a time frame that it happened in, 
and this is what I experienced at this moment, Tom. And then you're looking at what's left behind, all that remains, if you will, with the dead. And you know good and well that what they're saying is not valid. And that's the case here, Dave. And that's what I was really curious about, Joe, when in going over this story, knowing we had it on our table, murder versus suicide. How quickly do the police call you to come in when they have a scene like this? Pretty quickly. Um, And again, it's jurisdictionally dependent. Okay. So, but up in, um, if you think about uh, the Twin Cities, if you think about Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, I I was friends with the chief investigator for Hennepin County uh, for some time, a dear lady uh, who was at the top of her game. She was a former nurse and she was the chief investigator. And that, that's a top flight office that they have in Hennepin County. Their response would have been as soon as the police have visualized the scene and they know that this person is in fact deceased, they're going to say, start the ME and they're going to say, start CID. Uh, and CID is a criminal investigation division and start the crime scene unit. So all three of us would essentially head out simultaneously from our different offices. We'd show up pretty quickly. And the sooner that we can get there to do the assessment, the better, uh, because the further you move down that timeline away from when the actual event occurred, you're losing data. And then it's the environment is producing other data that might skew your conclusions. All right. So timeliness is, is a huge factor in everything that we do. Uh, matter of fact, I think our, <laughs> our entire existence is kind of based upon, um, we, we examine for trauma, but one of the underpinnings of what we do is we're trying to analyze time. We're trying to analyze a timeline and trying to understand what is happening within a specific period there. And does it marry up with, uh, with the narrative that we're being given? I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and a big shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing free samples. I live in an area where allergies are a day-to-day issue, and finding an over-the-counter option for relief is like the holy grail. I use Astapro, and I strongly recommend you give it a try. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray, and it's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays can take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Dave, you got my head swimming, man. I um, I often say you need a uh, what, what's that thing called uh, the playbill, like they use for Broadway. You need a play, playbill to keep up with characters in in a given. And I'm thinking about Ecker, who is a married man with four youngins, man. Right. Four, four, and he's involved in an ongoing relationship. With this young lady who's 32, she's, I don't know what, roughly 12 years younger than him, which is fine. I mean, that's yeah. that's their thing they can do, you know. And But yet, he stated in an interview that he had been involved for some time with her and that they, I think for two years, and that they were involved, they had an open relationship. Right. Well, it seems like he's, open is the key word here. I mean, he's open to a lot of things. Right. Um, and it's it has not it's not turned out well on, on either end of the spectrum here for him. And, and certainly for, for Alex, who's now deceased. I don't uh, know 
what was going on in the relationship because Alex is dead. What we only have, what we have left, just like his story, we have Matthew Ecker's story of what he says happened. And by the way, according to police, his story changed. We can kind of understand the relationship dynamics in that Alex at 32 and a nurse involved with an older married guy. We don't know if Matthew Ecker's wife knew of the relationship before, but we know that she did divorce him when this came out. I don't Mm. know Shane Anderson. I didn't even want to mention his name, but I had to mention his name because as part of the story, you know, there was something going on here that caused, um, or seems to have caused Alex to be upset. And the part that I have the most questions about is what happened when they got back to the apartment? Because Matthew Ecker's story, and this is why I'm asking you, Joe, about how soon a person does get cold and stiff, because these are professional. Matthew Ecker is a professional nurse. He's a nurse practitioner. He works in the emergency room. This is not (laughs) his first, you know, bullet wound he's ever seen. I'm going to assume. No, no, it's not. And the story he tells, you just say that dog won't hunt. So let's go over this really quickly. Um, (laughs) Because when police found Alex, she's laying on the floor of the bathroom. Her legs are straddling the door. Her, the gun is placed on her chest. I say placed for a reason. And her hands are near it. By the way, Alex is right-handed. But the sh- the uh, bullet wound was on the left side of her head. Yeah, GSW to the left side. All right. Now, while nothing is impossible, I mm-hmm. you know, it does have you known of a case where uh, somebody who was right-hand dominant to shoot themselves on the left side of the head? No. Also, that's, do women yeah. usually shoot themselves in the head of the heart, Joe? Uh-huh. Yeah, that well, let's let's go with the first one first. Right. Uh, the first one first. I like that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, if if they do change hands, it is a uh, it's an outlier. It, it's not something you would come because it's like picking up a pencil. It's like picking up a golf club or picking up a baseball bat or picking up your knife and fork. Um, you're going to use your dominant hand. Now, I don't know how much experience Alex had had with a weapon, but one of the questions we always ask, Dave, when we're doing a suicide investigation, which suicide investigations are, uh, first off, I've always felt as though for me that suicide investigations are much more difficult than homicide investigations because most of the time you don't have a witness to it. And so you're having to draw these conclusions based upon what science is telling you. Uh, But when we begin to interview their their intimates, their peripherals, you know, in their life will say, well, this is a an apparent suicide. Um, maybe they left a note, who knows? Uh, but was there an indication that they, were they ambidextrous? Did they, could they use both hands or were they left or right hand dominant? And you would expect that if you're right hand dominant, that the gunshot wound would be, um, would be on that dependent side. And in this case, it wasn't, it was on the left-hand side. Now to this, this question about, um, about 
uh, do women shoot themselves in the head? If we were having this discussion, let's see, if we were having this discussion in the early 80s, I would say that, um, yeah, you you rarely if ever see that. But you know, Dave, as my career progressed. Rarely if ever see a headshot? Yeah, with, with females. And people say that there's data that backs us up. Maybe there is. Um, but as my career progressed, I began to see um, more and more cases of females that would in their lives, much like men did, um, that, you know, uh, I'd have intraoral gunshot wounds, gunshot wounds to the side of the head, um, you know, those sorts of things. I think that there was this, uh, this, uh, uh, thesis is kind of put forward in our field where it says that, you know, because of appearance that women were not inclined to shoot themselves in the head. Uh, I gotta be honest with you. I don't ever remember a self-inflicted gunshot wound by a female where they shot themselves in the abdomen. I think I had a couple in the chest. Uh, but I, I'd say that I probably had more headshots self-inflicted with women than I did any other location. So I, I, I don't, I, I just don't, I don't buy into it. Uh, that, 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 that idea, uh, do men and women, uh, take their lives in a variety of different ways? Yeah, they do. And I don't know if that's gender dependent or not, but it's, it, it's one of those things that floats around. I get asked that question a lot, you know, over the years I've been asked that question. Um, but that she had a gunshot wound to the head and they were thinking it might be suicide. At least it, it wouldn't be surprising. I don't think to anybody that was out there, uh, that would be working the scene. But here's the thing that's really shocking about this. Let's go back to what you said about Eckert. Not only is he a nurse practitioner, Dave, he's working, he's working as a nurse practitioner in an emergency room setting and let's face it, a major metropolitan area, he's going to see trauma, Dave. And I, I've got to tell you, I worked as an ER tech for a number of years in college. And in that environment, if you have gunshot wounds that come in, knife wounds, that sort of thing, um, you're going to get blood on you. You're going to have it on you. I mean, that's the nature of, of what you do. You can put on gloves, but you'll even get blood up you know, up above your wrist onto your elbows, those sorts of things. You'll get blood if you're wearing scrubs, which everybody does. Uh, that's why you wear scrubs because they're, uh, they used to be almost disposable. Uh, you know, you would get blood stains on you. You could go to the closet, get a fresh pair and change out. Uh, so you would expect him if he is, he allegedly attempted to stem the bleeding by placing his hand or his finger over the defect in her head to stem the bleeding. Dave, if that were the case, if that were the case, he would have blood all over his hands. There's a high probability that she probably clipped a uh, cerebral artery in there. So it's going to be pumping blood out. It could spray onto him. There's, there's really no trace evidence of blood on him. So I think that that's really making the cops question what's going on. He, uh, Ecker actually claims that he washed up. Now, just to Ecker claims that when he opens the bathroom door 
and sees Alex. She shot herself in the head. He claims he tried to stop the bleeding. Uh, short of that, uh, before he calls 911 to report what has just taken place, he took the time to wash himself up. Uh, and he tells police he did it in the bathroom sink. And he washed with soap. He then calls 911. And he says he called 911 within four minutes of the shot. So you've got him coming to the bathroom, finding his girlfriend on the bathroom floor with a gunshot wound to the head. He then removes the gun. He takes the gun and puts it in a suitcase. Then he comes back in after trying to save her life, uh, washes up using soap and water, and apparently cleans the gun as well because he then places the gun on her chest and calls 911. Police arrive minutes later, and the first thing they notice, he has no blood on him. And the gun is remarkably clean. Yeah. Despite the nature of this scene, the gun is scrubbed clean. The fact that he uses soap and water on his hands to ostensibly clean up blood, like that would be the worry at that particular moment. Yeah. Makes yeah. no I'll sense. And yeah. the bathroom sink is dry. Yeah. The bathroom sink is dry, but he tells them he just <laughs> used it to wash his hands. By the way, blood on the floor of the bathroom is drying already. Yeah. I wonder how long it takes at it, a scene. Yeah, it takes it takes it takes uh, it takes a while. I'll put it to you that way. Again, I hate to kind of weasel out of the question, but it's going to be environmentally dependent, and it's going to be dependent upon surface in the bathroom. Uh, are there carpets in there? Is it a tile? Uh, you know what? What's the temperature inside of the room? Uh, what's the temperature of the floor? It's going to promote this because, you know, when you get drying blood, uh, you're, you're at that point in time. And when I say drying blood, I'm talking about dried blood. That's, that's beginning to, to flake, or it has the appearance that it, it doesn't have, um, let's see the, the tension, uh, of, of the blood surface itself has diminished to the point where it's almost at the same level as the floor that it's on or the surface that it's on it it's it's lost all of that and it's beginning uh to almost look like paint uh that takes that takes some amount of time I, i'm thinking i'm thinking beyond an hour i, I would i would think and it, it's really hard to judge that but you know here here's another thing with the weapon and by the way, this is kind of interesting. He was a licensed firearms uh, uh, carrier. Mm -hmm. he, he had a carry permit, and he had kept this weapon, according to him, in his in his book bag. Um, which you'll see a lot of nurses that are coming in and out of the hospital that carry book bags. They almost look like students, and they you know they've got extra changes of clothes in there. They're whatnot, you know, is is carried around in there. He carried his weapon in there, and she. Alex, according to him, went, she had an awareness of the weapon that he had one before she went into the bathroom. She went into his bag and retrieved this weapon. She knew it was there and went into the bathroom well, and, and showed it to him. Okay. She grabs it. And according yeah. to Ecker, she point has the gun in her hand and she is walking backwards, telling him, don't come any closer. I'll shoot myself and backs herself into the bathroom, then shuts the door. And he says within two seconds of the door shutting, he hears the gun go off, opens the door and finds her. That's why this timetable is very important to the whole story, because from the moment he calls 911 to the minute cops arrive, it's a very short window. Very, but very short. There's something else that goes into this, too, Joe. 
um, according to the story Ecker told police. Um, you know, he moves the gun and put he again, he moves the gun, puts it in a bag, then brings it back and places it on her chest. He says he tried to save her life, that she was breathing when he first got there. He tries to stop the flow of blood, but they asked him, did you perform CPR? Again, going back to the blood that would be everywhere. And right. he says, no, I did not do CPR because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> how does a nurse practitioner yeah. working in an emergency room not know how to do CPR? You can't. But, and that's, that's, that's what's so odd about this. In order to work uh, in an emergency room, or if you're going to be, let's say, if you're going to work in ICU, uh, ICU or one of these places, critical care units like this, um, you, you have to be certified in advanced life support. And first off, CPR is, is that's the bottom line. I mean, these people go through such training. I mean, nurses are, uh, you know, are the lifeblood of a hospital. You think about doctors, forget it. It's the nurses that run the show and they control everything that's there and they are trained. And if you're not trained, if you can't keep up in that environment, you can go find another job somewhere because they got other people that'll take your job really quick that are proficient at what they do. This, this guy would have had to have been certified in advanced life support and he would have understood the principles behind CPR. And here's another thing. If he had done compressions on her at the scene, did you know that with a gunshot wound to the head, one of the things that also happens is you'll get this fracturing of the skull, obviously, because you're creating, you know, you're cavitating the, the cranial vault and you've got these fractures that go on. Uh, the victim, as you're doing compressions, you'll actually get blood from the nose, the mouth, not to mention the defect in the head. So yeah, it would be a bloody mess. I wonder if he, if he had an awareness of that as well. What I'm not so much concerned about the absence of blood on his hands, Dave. What I'm really interested in, since he's saying that this is in fact a self-inflicted gunshot wound, why is there no blood on her hands? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Years ago, when I got out of my field full-time, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I had sleep disorder. I had depression. And for me, I had to turn to someone to talk to somebody that could aid me along the path to healing, to restore me to that person that maybe I was at one point in time, to make me better for not just myself, but my family. If you're thinking about therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can do this anytime that you like. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com bags today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. That's better. H-E-L-P.com slash bags. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, it looks like they've got quite the conundrum here, don't they? You've got a guy that I would imagine in the face of uh, questioning by the local PD, he ain't doing so well. Um, and But yet you've got a, a young lady, and we'll go ahead and say it plainly because it's it's already out there. She's got She's got some real emotional issues. I mean, she's you know, fought anxiety, depression, all these sorts of things. As a matter of fact, uh, Ecker has been providing her with, uh, with benzos for, uh, anxiety. Um, and has also been providing her with Adderall, uh, kind of mood stabilizing. And so you, uh, you think about that. She's got all this dynamic going on with her and you listen, you have to consider that, uh, that maybe taking her own life is on the table as far as an investigator. You have to be able to take all of that into consideration. Uh, that would do, that would, it would behoove you as an investigator to go back and dig into her past. If she's under therapy, if she's receiving therapy, you'd want to question um, the individual that's providing her therapy. And then you got to talk to her friends, you got to talk to her family members that might. You know, she may have confided in that sort of thing. It's not just talking to Ecker or to this uh, this this other fellow that she's involved in a relationship with. There, this is 
on its surface, this seems like a very simple case, but it's like I said, Dave, cases like this are very, very complex. Well, the physical evidence, taking away the psychology and everything else, just the physical evidence alone, the scene of the crime, uh, the scene of the incident. Yeah. Was it murder or suicide? When a, the handgun didn't have blood on it. Now, if she takes her own life, she's uh, right-handed, but she shoots the gun with her left hand on the left side of her head. But police get there minutes later. By the way, back to the timetable. The phone call to 911 was made at 2.50 a.m., and Matthew Ecker claims that he called 911 four minutes after she shot herself. Police arrive, and she is declared dead by medical professionals. Uh, EMS workers are there, and she's declared dead at 3.04 a.m. So from the time he call- the time he calls to the time they're there and declare her dead is 14 minutes. Add another four minutes from the time he says she shot herself, and you have 18 minutes from gunshot to declared dead. At the scene of the crime, you mentioned, why are her hands not bloody? Um, what is the test that is done by medical experts to determine whether or not somebody has fired a gun? Yeah, yeah, it's a gunshot residue test. It's, um, uh, there are three major components um, in, um, in, uh, in, a, in firearms, in, in the actual process of, kind of lighting the fuse on a projectile. All right. Mm -hmm. So when, if you just imagine, if you'll just imagine in your mind that when you initiate the firing sequence with, uh, with any kind of firearm, when you pull that trigger, okay. And that, that firing pin or the hammer slams forward onto the base of that live round, you have got, uh, a primer cap. And the primer itself is um, a bit more unstable uh, chemically. It, that that is is it doesn't take much to set it off, which is what you want because there's like a little cap. If you look at the end of a live round, there's a little uh, cap in the end of it, and it's called a primer cap. That's tapped off, and when that's tapped off, it creates an explosion. All right. And that explosion sparks up through what are referred to as flash holes. And within the flash holes, the, it ignites what's referred to as the propellant that's contained within the cartridge itself. That's the gunpowder. So when you do, uh, when you do uh, a GSR test, you're looking for antimony, barium, and also lead those three components um, and primer residue is a bit different than that. So you can get an idea that if it's, if it's primer residue that you're looking for, perhaps it, it, you would expect to find it on a hand. All right. That's where it's, it's kind of got a C clamp on the, on the grip of the pistol in this case. And then you'll find the rest, the remaining, uh, elements there that kind of shower down out of this cloud. You know, you see the gun smoke, you know, cloud that comes out and it's kind of showering down. Um, we try to do, that's one of the reasons like at the scene. And I would imagine in this particular scene, uh, at this particular scene, rather, they would have bagged her hands at the scene. That's what we would do. Okay. And the reason is, is that when you place her body into a body bag, Sometimes the bags can sweat and you have to protect 
those hands because you're going to do a GSR test on the victim at the morgue. Um, and we have series of swabs that we go through and, you know, that's sent off to the state crime lab and you can test to see if she's recently fired a weapon. The trick is, I wonder, I wonder if the police at that moment in time, based upon how unsteady his story was, I wonder if they said, okay, we need to do a GSR test on you. And I wonder if he submitted to that, if, if they actually did one, because right now at this point, we, we don't know if they did that. There's no indication that that, that that has necessarily come up. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but, um, it's one of the things that you would do in a case like this, particularly where you're questioning the timeline about how everything went down and it keeps getting murky because you had, you stated Dave that he changed his story a couple of times. And for me, that's, that's a huge red flag well, because if you're so, yeah, go ahead. The soap and water, he claims because they noticed, Hey man, you said you tried to save her life, but there's no blood on you. And, and the gun is incredibly clean. Uh, he, is that, can you wash away like the GRS test, the gun residue? Did I say that right? GRS? It's GSR, but GSR. That's okay. yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's no big the, deal. but they're going to test it. If, if you wash your hands with soap and water, uh-huh. can you wash away that residue so that it, you do a test on me? And it's like, I'm sorry, man, it's just soap and water. I had to clean up the blood. It's my gun. I touched the gun. I mean, is there mm-hmm. a way that he now can explain any kind of residue on his hands, but I use soap and water to clean them? I mean, yeah. And, and just because you have, just because you have these results, uh, first off, GSR tests are not foolproof. People think that they are. They're not. Right. They're not. Um, and so, so it's, that's <laughs> why they're not putting a whole lot of heat on that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That explains not, it. I wondered, Joe, I didn't know. I, I assume, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that GSR is in the same realm as like a polygraph. Okay. Okay. It's not like that, but mm-hmm. you're not necessarily, you know, they did one study years ago with people that worked in, uh, what was it? They worked in munitions factories. And they would randomly test people with GSR in those environments, and they would come back with negative results. And these people have been handling munitions, you know, for days and days. Um, and I always found that that kind of interesting. They put a lot of weight on these tests, but um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that GSR is required in this case because he's he's kind of betraying. Uh, you know, the original narrative here, uh, he's, he's keeps deviating from the story and that's a circumstantial in circumstantial evidence, but still he's the only witness to all of this. It, it, he was an ear witness to, you know, any kind of statements. He certainly saw what happened that evening. And I guess, you know, you begin to think about, well, what would be his motivation to, to do this to her? Why, why would he take her life? And you think about, maybe it all came to a head that night in a bar where he gets into this tete-a-tete with this other man in her life. He's, he's married. He's got four kids. Maybe he had this moment in time where he's like, what, what am I doing? And the only way that he can see to solve this is perhaps taking her life. I don't know the weapon itself though. When you look at it, you, there's also, you know, they were talking about how clean it was. Many times, not every case, but many times with self-inflicted gunshot wounds, Dave, um, you'll see you'll see evidence of what's referred to as blowback 
on weapons where you'll have blood that will come back onto the surface of the weapon. And if it's a close contact gunshot wound, which I really want to get into here, uh, um, you would have, I've worked cases where I've had skin, hair, brain matter in the muzzle of the weapon, uh, where it blows back down the barrel. Uh, you'll actually have that occur because you know, that barrel space is empty after that projectile. It's, it happens in a flash, but after that projectile exits the, the, the barrel, it cavitates into the skull and you've got this energy that's, that's forcing backwards toward the point of origin of this thing. And you'll get this kind of distribution on the surface of the weapon. They're not seeing that here. So I think that that's the position that this puts the, the forensic pathologist. And I say pathologist because we're plural. We've got two of them, Dave. We're talking about two, uh, two highly learned or learned, I guess they say, uh, learned, learned people here, uh, that are board certified forensic pathologists. And they both arrive at the same conclusion. They can't say that this is either a homicide, a suicide. They can't say it's accidental. So their default position here is it turns out to be undetermined uh, in this particular case. I, I find I find that quite fascinating. But it does end up going to court. Uh, Matthew Ecker is charged, and it goes back to the reason I was hitting the timeline so hard is because you really are dealing with eighteen minutes from start to finish on her death, yep. and yep. her his story did change. It didn't make sense. He's a nurse practitioner working in an emergency room, didn't perform CPR or do anything he knows to do. And he was clean. The scene was clean. Blood was drying. There's nothing in the sink indicating anybody had washed anything in the sink in the bathroom, like he claimed. The evidence didn't bear out his story. So he took it to court. He was charged with her murder. It has been adjudicated, Joe. What's our conclusion here, Dave? Is he now cooling his heels in state penitentiary? Matthew Philip Ecker, 45 years old. His wife did divorce him, by the way. Hmm. The father of four, convicted of the sole hmm. count of second degree intentional murder, not premeditated, for shooting 32-year-old Alexandra Lee Pinnig in the head, December 16th, 2022. I've got to tell you, at, at the end of the day, you think about you think about all of the effort that went into living the lives that these people lived, the, the desire to help people in healthcare, the desire to get all of the education that's required, those hoops that you have to jump through, and to throw it all away. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.